0: Welcome to the Grizzly Times podcast with Louisa Wilcox, a place devoted to all things grizzly, where we interview scientists, managers, landowners, and others about their perspectives and experience with grizzly bears and their ecosystems. This comes at a critical time in the debate about grizzlies, with the recent restoration of endangered species safeguards for the Yellowstone bear, but a new proposal to strip protections for glacier grizzlies and when warming temperatures and development are transforming the bear's world. We hope that you find the information and views offered here helpful in shaping your own conclusions. You can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. This is Louisa Wilcox with Grizzly Times, and I'm delighted to be here today with Gabrielle Paun, who is an environmental activist from Romania. Gabby and his colleagues have been here for the last couple of weeks and we've been sharing stories of our history and experiences with grizzly bears. Grizzly bears in Romania are a stunning story. Many people don't know that they've got maybe 7,000 grizzly bears in Romania and a lot more people than we do here in the Northern Rockies. Gabby has a degree in ecology and an amazing breadth and depth of experience. He served as an activist with Greenpeace and in 2009, he founded the group Agent Green that works on animal welfare, forestry, and wildlife issues. Just last year, he won an enormous European environmental award, Euro Natur, that has also been enjoyed by people like Nelson Mandela and Mikhail Gorbachev. Gabby's doing an incredible job to ensure a healthy future for grizzly bears in Romania, which for many people who don't know, is the bear country of Europe. We are so delighted to talk to you today, Gabby.
1: I'm delighted as well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So maybe to start out with, uh, you've obviously spent decades in this work. Um, what has driven you? Why is wilderness, wildlife, why do they matter to you?
1: Um, I would say I'm one of those lucky guys who already knew since uh, I knew as a little boy what I want to do in my life. And that was definitely working with nature, uh, for nature. Uh, I had the privilege to have a journey during a cold winter somewhere in the woods of Transylvania in those wonderful primeval forests together with my dad who passed away meanwhile. I think I was just four or five years old. And he took me up on a on a on a ridge where we could see the big mm-hmm. valleys with big forest and it was January, and it was the mating season for wolves oh, and wow. Suddenly, out of the valley, mm-hmm. I could hear them howling. Mm-hmm. I got shivers that yeah. are still with me today. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't hide that wolf is my, my favorite of all, mm-hmm. though I love all animals and bears and all the others, smaller, bigger, birds, amphibians, mm-hmm. fish, everything. But wolves are very special to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, um, that was the starting point. Mm-hmm. And from that on, I... I did everything in that direction, starting Mm -hmm. from the primary school with the high school, which already I had the chance to choose biology, Mm -hmm. the university and so on. And it was just a little crossroad. When I finished the study, I had a little bit of options. Uh, How many options do we have? Actually, it's Mm -hmm. government, -government non-governmental organization or corporations. Mm -hmm. I would say in a country where corruption is at home, governmental uh, positions were not an option for me. Mm Dealer corporations because they were fresh uh, in Romania after the fall of the communism and they came for profit and not for uh, doing right for environment. So therefore, I always work for NGOs. Mm -hmm. Greenpeace was indeed a very great experience and... And uh, all the learnings I, I gained during those wonderful years at Greenpeace, I'm using now for Agent Green.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk a little bit about Agent Green, why you started it, uh, what you're trying to accomplish, and uh, and maybe a little bit about lessons learned from Greenpeace.
1: Yeah, lessons learned from Greenpeace. Wow, that was mm-hmm. quite an experience. First year, first major battle and victory, we had actually had to deal with an American company who was very powerful in Romania, mm. Monsanto. Oh, uh, they spread their genes all over the country. Ninety-nine uh, percent of soy was genetically engineered, and uh, through high-profile campaign, uh, you would not believe here in the U.S. But we managed to kick them out. Wow! They control politicians. They control scientific community. They control farmers' association, mm. but they did not control the public opinion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they lost on that battle because people didn't like that those things, those new genes were in their food and feed and in our fields and environment. Yeah. And there was a mass outcry and the government had to do something. Yeah. So they they made a U-turn and now the country is uh, clean of GMOs.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that was a great first battle. And I'm, I'm, I took a very big proud in this because mm-hmm. I think also fo- we did follow up this one. Mm-hmm. So we basically now uh, have Romania as a key country in Europe producing GMO-free protein from Europe. Wow. Uh, which was previously mainly brought from South America, North America, you know, all those issues with deforestation in Amazon and so on. Oh, yeah. So we're starting to have more uh, soy in Europe, so we depend less on imports from North and South America. Wow, good also, job. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I will always remember that. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I started to deal more and more with the forests because Romania, uh, very few people would know, but it's the homeost of um, most of the primeval forest or however we call it here in the US. Uh-huh. Uh, virgin, call it virgin forest, all uh-huh. growth. Let's call it an untouched forest. Yeah. Yeah. They're born by Mother Nature and developed under the influence of Mother Nature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And actually, Romania has more virgin forest uh, than any other, than all the rest of Europe together. Wow! It's the primeval oh. forest. It's the it's the core of biodiversity, and oh. there is also maybe the reason why we have so many brown bears and wolves and oh, lynx. True, I mean, in Romania alone has more brown bears than all the rest of Europe together. Mm-hmm. And there was the thing. Uh, I think it was in two thousand five when. Uh, It was a global um, study made by various American, Russian and Scandinavian uh, forestry experts scanning the planet of the last intact forest landscapes. This unbroken expanse of wilderness uh, with a mosaic of ecosystems uh, without uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. and um, human activity, and it's got to be more than 50,000 hectares. Wow. And they discovered through remote sensing and GIS um, kind of instruments that the last ones are in northern America, I mean northern Canada, mm-hmm. northern mm-hmm. Russia, northern Scandinavia, as boreal forests mm-hmm. or tropical forests in Amazon, Congo and Indonesia, mm-hmm. and in the temperate latitude, nothing. Just a little dot in Romania. Wow. And another one in Georgia on the other side of oh, the yeah, Black yeah. Sea. Huh. And I say, wow, I gotta see that. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. I, I called the team, the, the scientists, is that a mistake or the little dot is <laughs> real? Right? I say, no, 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 that's real. Uh. That's real. Go go, get it. Go save it sure. because uh, yeah. when we look from the sky, it didn't look good. There, is, there were threats from all around. Right. And right. it was true. Uh, I just went there and I found there was a. Highway construction completely illegal with oh. no permits, Boy. just because the President of Romania wanted to make that road. yeah, so they went full power, putting on a uh, heavy asphalt and through the middle of national parks and in the middle of that green little dot. So there was less than a week until I started immediately a campaign. Greenpeace was very cool, and they allowed me to do that very fast. Mm. And, in a few months, we managed to to stop that construction, and it still Amazing. stopped
0: the, the public opinion again i mean what did
1: you do i don 't know must be just a grimpy's brand that they, <laughs> they, the politicians and the media fear so much Bold. that it was a uh, evening news, first news, all papers, everything for weeks and weeks so it, it was unbelievable it 's still unbelievable mm. for me to to see that happening um, it wasn't resumed since they did some little work till 2007 but nothing afterwards hmm. but still we lost that intact forest landscape I mean there is still a wild areas but oh. it doesn't meet the criteria because of logging oh, it's right. so much logging all around right the forestry model in Romania has changed so much in the lo- past two de- decades it's it's oh. terrible huh. and that's why basically I decided at some point to Switch from Greenpeace by making um, a more Romanian Greenpeace, mm-hmm. and that's basically Agent Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greenpeace, as great as it is, it has uh, its key campaigns and priorities uh, somehow dictated by the international uh, right. division. And he so said, we need to work in a very consistent way on forests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with this, I answer one of your uh, e- initial questions and and and, and why forests and why working this way. I, I do think strongly that these last primeval forests and, and untouched, unspoiled areas are the connection from past to future. Without them, there is no future. Mm-hmm. When you go in one of those mm-hmm. forests, I mean... Uh, except those uh, uh, trails on the sky left by airplanes mm-hmm. i can't say this is year 2018 mm-hmm. i can easily say this is 5000 before christ
0: wow that's, you
1: don't see the difference
0: that's amazing well
1: it's wonderful it's um just to make a a picture it's uh, imagine uh, steep mountains with great valleys with mm. some alpine meadows and the forest level includes a mixed forest of a beach mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with uh, maple, with oak, yeah. with, with some softwoods a bit higher like yeah. spruce and larch yeah. and, and, and fir trees yeah. and beautiful rivers mm-hmm. with clean streams. Uh, Moss, mushrooms, forest fruits, bears roaming around, it's mm-hmm. wolves, wolf packs, lynx, uh, everything you can imagine. It's paradise on earth and it's vanishing in front of our eyes with the participation of the government.
0: Yeah, that's heartbreaking. So you've been here with your colleagues for the last couple of weeks and uh, you've been going around and you and others have talked uh, with people who are coexisting or trying to coexist amicably with grizzly bears um, and you're going to take lessons of all kinds back to Romania and your work there What maybe you could share some of the things that surprised you um, mm-hmm. that you found here that seem relevant to your work
1: when we look at a bear situation here in Romania I can find so many similar uh issues and problems uh, and also so much to learn in terms of solutions. Mm-hmm. What is similar is that we have bears yeah, and then the bears are looks, it's the same species, just different subspecies. Mm-hmm. Grizzlies of US are a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. a finger bigger. Uh, ours looks the same, uh, but maybe a tiny smaller and, and behavior is quite similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, The difference is that we have actually surprisingly, that was the first surprise, we have much more bears in a smaller territory. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit surprised to hear there are so many troubles here with so few bears. Mm -hmm. I would even say that grizzly bear, I'm not sure if it can survive Mm. in such a small number as it is now with these challenges i have seen here with climate change which mm-hmm. is re rearranging the landscape at least in yellowstone yes. com- completely i would say is is the biggest challenge is uh, yeah. it's the species survival what mm-hmm. i see here
0: yeah no we don't have any buffer that's for sure we don't yeah. have any spare bears around and we're seeing it's definitely an, not um, enough yeah we're seeing an unprecedented spike i mean the obviously this week um we got a ruling from Judge Christensen that restored endangered species protections to grizzly bears, but there's been so much killing and a lot of it you know, under investigation or possibly illegal that it really um, makes you wonder. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that. That, um, I mean, I just look at a situation like Romania with 7,000 maybe more grizzly bears in and so many people in the woods, even though, you know, hopefully not industrial scale logging and that kind of thing, but even so... Even with the buffer, you've been able to uh, stop trophy hunting.
1: Yeah, that that was a, a very important moment. Just exactly two years ago, it came uh, as a surprise for many, but it it's like it was actually just respecting the law. Mm. Uh, we have um, and the Bern Convention, which protects the brown bear quite strongly. And Romania is a signatory of the Brown Convention, but we are part of the European Union. Mm-hmm. We are a member of the European Union since January 2007, and basically, European Union does not allow trophy hunting mm-hmm. and uh, and harvesting quotas. It's based on the, the the legislation is in favor of managing the situation case by case. Mm-hmm. Is there a problematic bear? then you have to prove it mm-hmm. you have to try alternative solutions and if this doesn't work then you can take him out only in this way mm-hmm. and you can you cannot plan how many birds will cause troubles mm-hmm. that was behind the decision of the minister in 2016 when you say okay everything that was before me it was wrong mm-hmm. me as a minister i cannot go against the law i have to respect the law if others did let them face the troubles later if that will be the case. Mm-hmm. And she just said um, that she will stop that. And she did. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since then... Yeah. yeah, sorry.
0: No, no. What was the response?
1: The response... Of, I mean, the public uh, supported the idea. There was a strong reaction from the trophy hunting industry only, which is a tiny uh, part of our society. Uh, but they are very loud Mm -hmm. and they have a very strong lobby. Mm -hmm. And what happened afterwards, uh, let's not call it a disaster, but it is a bad thing for the reputation of the bear because they acted in such a way that they abandoned those feeding stations. By the way, uh, trophy hunting was organized through feeding stations brought to the edge of the forest close to the local communities because they would never want to spend money daily to go 10 kilometers deep on, on, in the forest or uh, the feeding station to break their cars and consume petrol because trophy mm-hmm. hunting you can only do by uh, making sure the bear will be there mm-hmm. when a German or a Spanish or the Italian or a British or a Dutch rich hunter would come to Romania to take out his trophy. Uh-huh. And that's why they brought, they installed these feeding stations close to communities. Uh-huh. And imagine what happened uh-huh. when they, as a boycott, they stopped putting feed in those feeding stations. Uh-huh. The big ones uh, went back to the wild, and uh-huh. they found their way. Uh-huh. The smaller ones were looking for new ways in in in. Uh-huh crop fields, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in households with livestock, and yeah. in, 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 in touristic area, garbage, mm-hmm. and they use that. Mm-hmm. The hunters use that. Mm-hmm. They put it out in the media. These they, are
0: dangerous, they, terrible animals.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, but it's terrible because within mm-hmm. two years only, the um, uh, persecution of the bears mm-hmm. has reached historical levels. Uh. so while people from cities of course they love the bears and they understand the the situation well and the people in the smaller communities have been uh, uh, they are panicked they don't uh-huh. know how to deal with this. I mean, right. they, I mean, the, for the generations before, they coexisted with the bear. There was a right. great co-adaptation, but now suddenly there is a problem and they also think it's too many bears and we have to shoot more. That's the whole thing behind it. Mm-hmm. Let them come to manufacture the idea that we have too many and we have to shoot them.
0: Yeah. It was the beginning of nearly the end for Yellowstone when uh, we had fed the grizzly bears for decades, and black bears, in Yellowstone Park, and suddenly the research was showing that this was problematic for the park service and problematic for people, and they closed them, dumps, cold turkey, overnight, and bears just spilled into local communities outside the park and died in
1: droves. Yeah, you feed them, you kill them. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's why they got listed under the Endangered Species Act in 1975, because the numbers were plummeting so quickly that no one knew if we were watching extinction happen. And uh, it seems like a similar scenario is playing out, even though you have more bears.
1: Yes, and let's call them refugees. (laughs) Uh, You know, Romania has covered one-third... with plains, one mm-hmm. third with hills and highlands and one third with mountains. Mm-hmm. Two centuries ago, uh, the vast majority of the countries, we we're talking about 80 percent, was covered in woods. Mm. Now just 27 percent. Mm-hmm. And well. you can only find birds up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. They used to roam all the way between the Carpathians and the Danube River and the Black Sea and down in the plains and the highlands and hills. Now you only find them in the in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm saying they are refugees. It's mm-hmm. not a place that, where they want to be. They mm-hmm. like it everywhere.
0: Right.
1: Uh, so we have a, a problem with um, habitat destruction. Right. There is also threat on... You know, even in the mountains, they, they go logging everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's the climate change and the human persecution. So right. regardless that we have six or seven times more brown than the yeah. uh, U.S. has, um, in yeah. at least uh, except Alaska, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it is a bigger problem. Just yeah. recently, uh, they, of course, they want to reopen the trophy hunting. And, and, and it's a daily fight. We basically can never rest in this mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. But as long as we fight, we have a chance. Right. And every year they found another way to to reopen the trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. So far in the last two years, we managed to, um, to block it. Because, for instance, we said and used again the EU law that you can... Um, um, not go for any uh, kill without a national management plan. And they made a roughly underneath their knees a management plan in a couple of months mm. which basically, through <laughs> one of the important things which, uh, which took my attention away, actually blow it immediately, was that habitat destruction is so bad that the country cannot sustain that many births so we have to immediately go down from Six, seven thousand, whatever we have, but methodology is controversial mm-hmm. of counting them uh, to four thousand. Right. So that would mean culling of two, three thousands as we mm-hmm. speak, like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Say so, okay. So the government admits that they destroy the habitat. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Maybe you could talk a little bit about why the forests are being liquidated so quickly and the problem of your so-called protected landscapes, which was a surprise to me that there's logging that's been permitted inside landscapes that we would otherwise think were protected.
1: Yeah, Uh, there is a dramatic change in the forestry model um, uh, comparing to the past centuries when the forestry was based on, um, besides leaving some areas untouched mm-hmm. for various reasons—protection of wildlife or protection of water sources or infrastructure—in uh, production forest there was a um, extensive kind of logging, not intensive, uh, no big openings, long production cycles, allowing old trees to stand mm-hmm. or. Uh, cutting only every 120, 130 years, so always having big woods and areas of silence. Now it's completely changed. Uh, Mm. After the fall of communism, there was the invasion, I call it the invasion of foreign corporations opening Mm. large sawmills in Romania was not regulated. Mm. They were just allowed and even invited to come. Mm. We have... um, for instance, um, um, we managed four years to expose the single major driver within uh, illegal logging. It's an Austrian company oh. which was processing more soft wood than it's legal to cut.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Imagine they have five sawmills. Imagine one which is officially processing 1.2 million cubic meters of wood per year.
0: Whoa.
1: That's huge. Wow. It's absolutely huge. Uh, through campaigning, we managed to bring the international attention on this. Uh, the company's lost certificates and so on, mm-hmm. and it's under uh, the watch of the authorities. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's there is an ongoing mm, prosecutor investigation uh, within this company, similar with what was. Uh, here in the US a few years ago with the lumber liquidators, oh, yes. if you remember the story with uh, mm-hmm. stealing uh, wood from the Siberian tiger habitat, smuggling it through China and so on. Mm-hmm. So we have a similar issue, but there are still new companies coming and the government allows that. Oh. We've got Austrian sawmills, really big ones, one of them making is the biggest uh, board company in the world mm. uh, can we say names and things like this yeah, first? Sure. yeah. Mm. so the biggest one taking all the softwoods it's Holtz Industrie Schweikoffer. Mm. and there's another one uh, which is a mix of Swiss Austrian it's called Kronospan, and this mm. is the biggest board company in the world Whoa. you might not hear this brand but you find it in IKEA products uh-huh. because IKEA you know it's made of mainly boards and things yeah. like this yeah. and it's, it's furniture includes boards from this and There is other Austrian companies and there is Mm. Turkish companies uh, Mm. uh, processing each of them between uh, around 1 million cubic meter per
0: year. Mm.
1: And what we managed to do so far Mm -hmm. is to force a little change in the forestry code, Mm -hmm. the uh, national forestry code, that no company is allowed to process more than 30% of a... of the wood from a species, for instance, no more thirty percent of spruce or mm-hmm. no more thirty percent of oak and so on, mm-hmm. but it 's too little and then there mm-hmm. actually some of the companies should shut down at least one two sawmills they're mm-hmm. too big yeah, they are way too big, mm-hmm. so the stress on the forest is huge. Mm-hmm. The state does not make enough intervention mm-hmm. and the national forest manager Ram Silva is just serving these companies
0: mm-hmm.
1: same with the private owners let's say after restitution of forest after the fall of communism we have like 50% is private and 50% state uh, state owned and wow. the stress is on both right right so right now uh, we are turning away from uh, mm, forests with native species with small openings and long production cycles mm-hmm. to a more intensive uh, logging replacing native species with monocultures mm-hmm. so all the bad things that Western Europe uh, did in the past and yeah. here, even in, here in the US in some parts
0: oh learning all the wrong lessons i mean we fought these battles here i mean that was one of the campaigns that i first started on was uh, forests outside yellowstone park were basically being clear-cut you could see images from taken from space of the line of yellowstone park's western boundary as it was just liquidated and all the wildlife suffered nobody had the guts to stand up to the government we finally brought them down in court but The the damage was done. The damage is being done. And this kind of
1: forestry has no future.
0: No, no. And after we brought the case and won the case, the mills closed. I mean, that's what you would expect. They were over harvesting in the first place. They should have, but if they had left several decades before, the damage we wouldn't be suffering the damage we are. So you never break even with these unsustainable practices. And wildlife takes the biggest hit.
1: Wildlife, and then, um, I mean, if we step out of the skin of environmentalists even if we have some empathy with economy and industry Mm -hmm. this is no sustainable business I mean sustainable forestry includes small openings selective logging and have forever forests Mm -hmm. never clear cut this is Mm -hmm. just stupid lessons from the books Mm -hmm. with with clear cuts it's it's time to rethink think Mm -hmm. that especially with the climate change, you you might not get forest back ever if you do forestry in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So I think small openings in in production forest is the solution Mm -hmm. rather than big openings where you change everything. You change the water in the soil, you change everything.
0: I mean, one of the heartbreaking things is to see... The, l- watch the models as they come out for projections of Yellowstone Park habitat. This is a landscape with no logging. And uh, this projected to be almost entirely grasslands due to climate change because the fire frequency becomes so great that, you know, you, anything that can sustain a fire does. So even even without logging, but when you put that on top, it's, it's just... A, a I saw that disaster. for the past week.
1: I, mm-hmm. I have one word to what I have seen with the forest. It's sad. It's really sad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's heartbreaking, and if you had asked me three, five years ago when I was starting in on this, if we would be seeing the impacts, the complete collapse of the Yellowstone cutthroat trout in the core of the park, the collapse of white bar pine, I would have said, you're joking. I mean, so we... And
1: the bark beetle attack everywhere. Yes. Like, fire was not mm-hmm. enough. Now mm-hmm. there is the bark beetle attack. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not cold enough in the winter anymore. No, it's anymore. not
0: cold enough, and beetles are flourishing and yeah. at the same time that these whitebark pine haven't evolved, co-evolved with beetles. They never, and they, they're sitting ducks. They have no chemical or physical defenses and they're just getting clobbered. And it shows no sign of reversing. Um, you add to that, you know, the white pine blister rust, a disease that's been artificially introduced from Europe. Uh, and you basically, you know, there's no future for this forest in this ecosystem. And the grizzly bears, until very recently, were absolutely dependent on it. And the food served to keep them away from a lot of contact with people. Yeah, uh, and in the fall, you know, season when they need to fat I up, was so.
1: actually in one of those spots where grizzlies used to uh, feed with the seeds of the white uh, white oh. pine. bark. again, it's yeah. close to this Dun... Dun Raven, Dun Raven uh-huh. Pass. Yeah, yeah. Poh, mm-hmm. I I could only uh, I could not see any new sign of uh, grizzlies anymore. They're gone. Mm-hmm. I just saw excrements from the last years when they last fed with this. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's one of the last places where I can still find this tree. Yeah. And it's almost gone. No, well. it was
0: a very predictable, you know, you guaranteed to see your yeah. sign. Uh,
1: so that, I, mm-hmm. that's why I come back to the beginning. I, I really don't know about the survival of this species because it, it has mm-hmm. to adapt faster than you could imagine any species can adapt.
0: Yeah, and we're essentially hemming them in all around the park and even within the park. We're getting, you know, 4 million, over 4 million visitors a year now. Uh, communities, people moving maybe for some laudable reasons to enjoy wildlife in our rivers and our mountains, but there's a lot more of us, and there's a lot more intolerant people too. Um, and the the rates of killing are outstripping yeah. the rates of reproduction, and at some point the math doesn't work, yeah. um, which it sounds like you may be on the verge of a similar uh, decline in
1: Romania Yeah, mm-hmm. and by the way with the bark beetle attack mm-hmm. we have that already in Romania as yeah. well, mm-hmm. big time mm-hmm. and sadly the foresters are using it at max uh, mm-hmm. it's an argument to go even inside national parks for logging if mm-hmm. you can imagine such a thing mm-hmm. I mean um, thanks to the law we uh, we are following the IUCN principles mm-hmm. and rules in Romania there should be no logging in national parks. Absolutely. But there is. Mm-hmm. And national parks, just to have a picture, the forests of national parks mm-hmm. is just 1% of the surface of Romania. It's, oh, wow. It's uh, close to nothing. And st- even in these national parks, so in this little 1%, half of them are being logged.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And one of the major arguments, it's, uh, it's the bark beetle attack. But now this happens also... In beach forests, which have no bark beetle attack. And many oh. of them are primeval forests. Yeah. And they call it regeneration logging. <laughs> so Mother Nature did wrong and she needs to, to regenerate. And she they, doesn't
0: know how to do it. <laughs>
1: and I, I, I went and I show a, a f- fresh footage made from the drone
0: uh-huh.
1: to the director of National Park. Yeah. I said, well, what is this? I asked him, what is this? Oh, we, we have to because this is, it was too much dead wood and, and, and things like this and we have to make opening and wildlife likes it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, but we have natural meadows. We have mm-hmm. all these natural openings. Why do we have to make openings in mm-hmm. places where bear is sleeping and feeding and, mm-hmm. and drinking and mating and everything? This is his home. Mm-hmm. They're chasing them away. They don't have a place for silence anymore. So we are cutting half of our national parks right now. Mm. And of course I'm a little bit happy when I get this in the media and then there was a police intervention just the other day mm. there was a anti-corruption police unit bus, uh, uh, um, just jumped into the office of this director of the national park, took away his computer oh. uh, charged him with allegations on uh, being um, a partner in illegal logging mm. and, and poaching in the park and things mm. like this. But But the problem is that the government is still tolerating this Mm -hmm. and doesn't make any intervention for law enforcement. We have the law, but the law enforcement is a problem. Mm -hmm. And um, since it's so little wilderness left, even in, don't think about much wilderness outside national parks. So it's all these great forests are mainly in national parks. If we are cutting this, then uh, we're not losing just these forests, but our inhabitants. Mm those huge numbers of bears and wolves and lynx and all the other species mm-hmm. around them. We speak about the brown bear as the king of the temperate mm-hmm. forest, like like the lion is the king of savannah, with Luca the bear as the king of the temperate forest, mm-hmm. and when we lose the bear, then we realize we're in trouble. Mm-hmm.
0: A little too late,
1: perhaps. Yeah, way too late.
0: Don't miss part two of my interview with Gabriel Paun where we talk about corruption and violence, a different path forward, and our hopes for the future. It was so good I didn't want to cut any of it.